Um, yeah, I'm so excited to be here today. As Angus said, I hope that you are excited to be here today. And if you're not, I hope that you are about to get excited because I am really excited to bring a message to you this morning. Um, I, uh, I, in the previous two Easter's that I've been the leader of, of Croydon Jubilee Church, I have asked other people to preach. And so it's great today to get an opportunity to share with you why it is that I left teaching to come and serve you because I just love this event. I love this day uh, that we celebrate. Um, also, it's great to be together because last year we weren't able to be together physically. So even just to be able to have, I think it's about 50 people here today celebrating that Jesus is risen uh, is really exciting. But I'm not going to be reading uh, the uh, usual Easter passage uh, this morning. I'm not going to be reading, uh, you know, of the discovery of the empty tomb. Uh, instead, I'm going to be reading of a different event that happened on Easter Sunday. And that is uh, Jesus appearing to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. So already on Easter Sunday, we have had uh, Mary and a bunch of other women uh, go to the tomb, discover it empty. An angel has appeared to them and asked them why they're looking for the, the living among the dead. They've rushed to the rest of the disciples to kind of tell them what they found. None of them believed them. They all thought it was nonsense. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, uh, really, you know, wanted to see it. And, they, and just as they'd said, he found it empty. Uh, and so he, wa- he wandered back to the house where they all were, wondering what could have happened. And that's where we get to today. Um, we're going to be reading from Luke chapter 24 and verses 13 to 44. And this is the walk to Emmaus. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognising him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They, they stopped short. Sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there in the last few days. What things? Jesus asks, as if he doesn't know. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who'd come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to sea and sure enough his body was gone just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? 
Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Remember, they still they haven't seen him. God has blinded them from recognizing that it's Jesus they're speaking with. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus, Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. Another seven-mile trek back to Jerusalem. This is so exciting. There they found the eleven disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, the Lord really has risen. He appeared to Peter. This is amazing. I love, I love this event. I love this event for two reasons. I love this event because it's a historically verifiable event. And I love this event because, because Jesus rose again, everything he said about himself and every promise he made us is true. It's amazing. You know, we're not celebrating Jesus' second birthday today. We're celebrating that he rose again, that he was dead, that he was in a tomb for three days and that he rose again. It's absolutely amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Where am I? So these two disciples from the village of Emmaus, totally dejected, this man that they thought was their Messiah, who was going to restore the fortunes of Israel, who was going to win on their behalf, he's dead. And they think, oh, it's all lost. It wasn't, he wasn't the Messiah. All of those hopes that we had are in ruins now. Let's, let's go home. And so they're walking along. And Jesus suddenly appears to them. They, you know, seven-mile trek, and they hadn't seen him sneak up on them, he appears to them suddenly. I love it. You know, Jesus can't have been the Messiah if he died. And this is why, this is, as I say, this is the first reason I love this. This is a historically verifiable event. You know, no other world religion can point to a historically verifiable event. You know, the prophet Muhammad apparently received his revelation in a cave on his own. John Smith, the founder of Mormonism, apparently received his revelation from an angel, but again on his own. Here we've got these two disciples on the road to Emmaus saying to Jesus, you must be the only person in all of Jerusalem who has not heard about all of these events that have happened. You know, there wasn't a single person in Jerusalem who hadn't either, either seen with their own eyes that Jesus was flogged and crucified and died or at least heard from someone who had seen it that it had happened. There wasn't a single person who didn't know about this event, didn't know that it actually happened. 
You know, in the passage that we've read today, Jesus appears to the women at the tomb. He appears to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. At the end of the passage we've just read today, we hear he had appeared to Peter. In the next passage in the Gospel of Luke, he appears to all of the disciples. And in 1 Corinthians 15, which is an amazing chapter on the resurrection, uh, we read that after appearing to all of those people, he appeared to 500 people all at once after his death. This is amazing. This is, and this is, this is a thing. This is, you know, it's amazing that we have these events that we can look into. You know, there, there are four facts about the resurrection that are not contested by many at all, well, by no serious historians that I know. Let me just say, I'm not a historian. What I'm going to say to you now is what I've learned from reading books that I've read. But the sources used in the books that I've read are not Kevin and Perry on their computer in their living room. All right, It's serious historians from serious universities around the world. You know, Oxford in the UK, Princeton in the US. You know, this is serious historians who believe this. There are four uncontested facts about the resurrection or, or about the Easter weekend and the early church. The first is that Jesus lived and he died at the hands of Pontius Pilate. No one doubts that. You know, the Roman historian Tacitus wrote about it. The Jewish historian Josephus wrote about it. Jesus lived, and just like these men said in the Gospel of Luke, he performed mighty miracles and he was a wonderful teacher before God and men. That is not disputed historically. The second fact about the Easter weekend is that the tomb was found empty. That is not disputed. The tomb was found empty. The third uncontested fact is that Jesus appeared to people after his death. Jesus appeared to people after his death, including up to 500 people at one time. And the fourth uncontested fact about the Easter weekend in the early church is that the disciples preached boldly that he had risen again. They were absolutely certain he'd risen again to the point that they were sharing this boldly despite the fact that every apostle except for John was martyred for continuing to say this and despite the fact that Christians were scattered all over the Mediterranean but as they went, they went proclaiming that Jesus is alive. It's amazing. I love that it's a historically verifiable event. But (laughs) we're not saved by reason through historic inquiry. We're saved by grace through faith. And that's why I love that at the end of the uh, list that Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, he says of himself, he says, and lastly, as one untimely born, he appeared to me. So Paul, Jesus has already gone to be with his father and he's been blinded on the road to Damascus. Paul did not see Jesus in the flesh the way that Peter and the disciples on the road to Emmaus and the women and the 500 saw him. Paul didn't see him that way. Jesus revealed himself to Paul inside and by the Spirit. And that's how we receive him today because Jesus is still in heaven now, seated at the right hand of the Father. The Bible says that he's praying for us right now. You know, we can't sing this morning, but God is singing over us every moment. He's praying for us. He cares for us right now. And so we receive him inside by the Spirit, just like Paul did on the road to Damascus. But we see him all the same. We see him as risen. We celebrate today that he is risen. We don't worship a dead God. We worship one who is alive and active and working in this world and speaking to us 
by the Holy Spirit and leading us by the Holy Spirit and empowering us by the Holy Spirit so that we can be his witnesses and so that we can live lives that are glorifying of him and worthy of all his praise. You know, nothing makes more sense, in my view, of those four uncontested facts than that Jesus rose. In themselves, they're not proof. You can't go, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened, therefore. But nothing, in my opinion, makes more sense of those four facts than that Jesus really did rise. But as I say, we, we, don't, uh, we still have to take a step of faith. We still have to believe that that is the, the answer that makes the most sense of those facts. We still have to choose to believe it. But Paul knew the stakes. You know, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, if Jesus did not rise again, then our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. I gave up a career in teaching to serve you because I am absolutely 100% certain beyond any shadow of a doubt that Jesus is alive and that he is active in his church and in the world. This is, this is exciting stuff. We are not wasting our time. Our faith is not useless. This preaching that I am doing now is not useless. But some say, some say he never died. You know, some say, oh no, he, maybe, maybe he wasn't, maybe he didn't die on the cross. Maybe they managed to, you know, get him, get him out. Someone else stood there. You know, the Roman historians were really good at their job. You know, they did this sort of stuff for a living. There's no way that it wasn't Jesus who died on the cross. You know, the tomb was found empty. Even his enemies didn't say, no, he's still there. They tried to explain why he wasn't there. They tried to say his disciples must have taken him away. You know, no one is contesting this. You know, when, 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 you know, when Jesus appeared to all these people, people say, oh, maybe they just hallucinated. You know, no two people have the same hallucination at the same time, let alone 500 people. You know, and these, these events were written of in the lifetime of people who were there. Not one of them said, no, hang about, that wasn't Jesus, that was Jeff. You got it mixed up. You know, no one said, oh, that was Jesus' secret twin brother that's been hiding in a cave for 33 years waiting to go, it's me. No one said that. It's, it's absolutely wonderful. As I say, we cannot come into relationship with God by looking at these events and thinking, therefore, he must have risen again. We need to believe that on the cross he died for our sins that actually we were separated from God by our sins and that on the cross he died for us, that in that moment as the curtain was torn in two, we learned that we could enter into a relationship with him, that we could know him personally and that everything was changed. And that leads me on to the second reason why I love um, this event because, or this weekend. Because Good Friday was the event that did it. Sin was atoned for on the cross on Good Friday. We were bought for relationship with God on the cross on Friday. Sunday is the day that says, see, see what I did there? I really did do it. You know, we're not left guessing, did it work? Are we saved? No, he rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. And so now we go, wow, he really did do everything he said he was going to do. He really is who he says he was. Every promise he spoke to us really is true. 
It's absolutely wonderful. It's because he rose again that we can have that confidence. And yet we still have to have received him into our heart. We still have to know him personally. We still have to have that experience of, of, of the deposit and the guarantee of the Holy Spirit that says, you're my child. You're so loved. And this is it. And this is I. I love it. You know, because he overcame death, we can have confidence that everything he said is true. And I've just written a short list of what that means for us. That means, this, and this is not an exhaustive list by any means, I just didn't want to go on for much longer. He's with us. He will never leave us. He will give us his peace. He will give us his joy. He will instruct us and teach us. He will give us rest when we're tired. He will cover us in our failings and in our weaknesses. He will restore our strength when we are weary. He will fight for us when we cannot fight for ourselves. He defends us when we feel powerless. He is the defender of the orphans and the widows, isn't he? He's the defender of those who are too weak to fight for themselves. He releases those who struggle with addiction and who are oppressed, and he heals us. Not always, sadly, we find, but he does. And we know that in the new life that we will have with him, that we will all be healed. We will all take on resurrection bodies just as he did. We will all live for eternity with him. It's absolutely wonderful. Now, God is good. You know, he is light and in him there is no darkness. You know, he is love. He loves every one of you here present today. He loves every one of you at home watching online. You know, and that is, that is a, a very real thing. He really, he loved you to the point of death. He loved you so much that he came, that he surrendered himself, that in the Garden of Gethsemane he said, not my will be done but yours, because of love. He did that because he loves us so much. You know, Psalm 139 talks about um, him knitting us together in our mother's wombs, how he knows our days, he knows our frame, he knows how we're made. He, he knows us more deeply than anybody, and that means he knows all of our failings and all of our weaknesses, and still he loves us more deeply than anybody, and that's how he feels about you this morning. But some people don't think that that is the God that Christians worship. Some people think that he's harsh. Some people might even read that passage that I've just read to you today and go, Jesus isn't really very nice, is he? Look at him calling them foolish people for not understanding what's happened. You know, we, we can infer from the disciples' reaction in this passage that Jesus wasn't being harsh with them. That even though he called them foolish people, that they were saying, man, didn't our hearts burn within us as he opened the scriptures up to us? Didn't our hearts burn within us? We knew there was something amazing happening. You know, we were excited about this. That's why I say I hope we're going to get excited today. I hope we're excited about this event. This is wonderful, wonderful stuff. I want to... Uh, I'm going to... That's the message that I want to share today, that I love this Easter weekend because it's a historically verifiable event and because it proves that everything Jesus said about himself and every promise he made is true because he rose again, because he defeated sin and death. How could he not, therefore, be true on everything else that he said? We're going to have a time of communion in a moment. We can't sing. We can't sing. But we can reflect. And 
my prayer as I've prepared and my prayer today is that in the same way that as, uh, as the scriptures were opened up to these guys, that their hearts burned within them, that this is real, that hopefully something of that has happened to you today. And that in the passage that we read today, as Jesus broke the bread, they saw him. And so it's my prayer today that as we take the bread and the wine today, that we will see something new of Jesus this morning, that we will encounter him in a new way again today. And that might be that he says the same thing to you that you've heard before. I love you. You're my child. But as we can't sing, although the band are going to accompany us, I think, is that, is that right? I don't know. We got, yeah. If you could come up, band, if, if that's what you're doing, that'd be awesome. We, we're gonna, we, I don't want to rush this. Those of you who are at home, you might not have communion ready. Don't worry. We're gonna, we, we'll have a moment of reflection. You can join us in a moment of reflection at home. I want to encourage you to not worry about anybody else who is here. No one is watching you. Everyone is for you. If you feel moved to tears, you can cry. If you want to laugh, you can laugh. But we're not going to rush this moment. Let's, let's let ourselves quieten all of the other voices. Let's not worry about what we've got to do when we get home today. Let's not worry about what we're facing in the week ahead. Let's sit here, and, and you might even literally want to say these words. Father, would you speak to me this morning? Jesus, I thank you that you surrendered yourself to death. Thank you, Lord, that no one took your life from you, but you had the authority to lay it down and to take it up. And I thank you that in taking your life back up, in rising again, we can have confidence that everything that you have said to us is trustworthy and true. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask now, would you come? Thank you that you're here already. But would you come and speak to us this morning? Yes, Lord. Would you yes. comfort and encourage Holy us? Spirit, come. Lord, where we have Spirit listened to lies, would you speak your truth Spirit to us? Hope. Lord, where we are tired, would you bring new strength? So as we take the bread and the wine and as we reflect on the fact that you that you died and you rose again would you draw us near come and speak to us I pray Holy Spirit